when we go into AC? March. Howdy, this is Friday, January 27th, 2017, and this is episode 35 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, and joined as always by Craig Stone. What's going on, Craig? Happy to be here as always. <laughs> uh, we just want to take a little bit of time to say thanks to Eric Rosenthal again for, for joining us for a second time last episode. I, I think that it went over very well with the audience, and it, it created a lot of conversation uh, kind of around the blogosphere, so... Did that conversation make you want to have a host more than you do, Craig? Or are you planning on changing anything about your gambling patterns, having talked to Eric twice now? Uh, I mean, for me, for a host, I think that's just so outlandish. Like, right. I'm, I'm nowhere close. So, well, but it, does it make you want a host? Uh, not necessarily. I think the the sort of needing to feed that person is is too too nerve-wracking for me. I don't like feeling like I have to play a certain amount or earn a certain amount of tier credits in a trip. Um, so I don't think I'd necessarily want that. I think if I was playing enough that I would get a host anyway, then I would want a host. Whereas before I sort of felt like, eh, I don't know that I really want to deal with the person. I can just book my offers online. Um, so that, that question is probably better for you, you know, since you're clo- certainly closer than I am. Like, and you're very much a person who probably prefers the online interface and doesn't necessarily want to deal with uh, another human being. Um, that sounds bad, <laughs> considering that we've met people. And it, uh, <laughs> it sounds bad, but it's surprisingly true. Uh, but do you want to host more? Um, maybe a little, but yeah. I mean, like you said, I wanted to host literal zero before, so... I mean, I think that there, there, there are definitely pros. I mean, especially the way Eric, Eric laid it out. Um, you know, like you, for me right now, it's just not realistic. You know, I'm going to what three gambling trips a year or something now, and I, I don't gamble enough on on in them to to deserve one. So it, it's it's not realistic at this point in my life. But uh, I mean, it's something that seems interesting. Perhaps some sometime down the line. So what about your gambling habits? Are you interested in trying to do anything like taking advantage of promos or, or trying to figure out some sort of ways to max out your comps or, or get diamond back? Uh, again, you know, obviously at some point in my life getting diamond was important because I did devise, you know, a way to get diamond in a day as cheaply as possible. And I did it and I followed through with it. And so... It's something that I've done, but again, just right now with the number of times I make a trip to Atlantic City or Las Vegas, Diamond is honestly not really worth all that much to me right now, doing two or three trips a year. So yeah, it's just something right now that I'm not really going to worry about and just I'm going to relax and just have fun when I'm up there because it's so rare that I am able to get out for a weekend. Um. You have any any changes planned? I don't know that I'll actually follow through because I have. Since certain... last time you didn't follow through, and still <laughs> would just take promos and not do any gambling or whatever. Yeah, I certainly have a sort of inertia to the way I play, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, and we've talked so many times about like casino hopping versus trying to pool, like put our play into one place and really max out our offers at one place, and when I actually get to AC, I sort of get so much more value out of, out of casino hopping. And, and part of that is like, if I'm not going to casino hop, why don't I just go to some local place? Um, you know, why don't I go to the like PA Sands in Bethlehem or whatever? Uh, mm-hmm. but I do think I've, I've thought my first thought was there are a lot of promos. I could probably get diamond without very much of an increase in coin in, um, you think so? Yeah, I mean, I'm also in a in a place I think where I could increase my coin in without really noticing that. I mean, I, but I don't I don't know that it would get me that much more fun for the increased coin in. So like doing it just for diamond doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, 
like Eric said, there is the thrill of the chase. Like I would feel pretty cool, even though there are like thousands and thousands of diamond members in Atlantic city at any given weekend. Like I would still feel like, yeah, diamond, like that's cool. Uh, I mean, so one of the things I thought of was like, should I try to convince like our friends, Dave and Andy that they should pool their play with me for a trip and we'll like on my card, get diamond in a day or something like that. Like go, I don't know when there's a promo, get diamond in a day. I'll do some sort of like loss buyback for them. So it basically like limits my exposure but I still learn diamond and like at the end of the day, that's probably not really that fun for them. It's too stressful for me. Uh, so I don't know. I probably won't do that. I, I will say that if you and Andy and Dave pulled your play for a day, I don't think you'd, and it was a normal amount of play. You wouldn't come anywhere close to diamond in a day. Oh, absolutely. No, it would have to be a significant increase in play. Yeah. And, and it, it's harder to get than when I got it again, cause I got it using full pay video poker, which does not comp it. 10 to 1 anymore or doesn't give you uh tier credits at 10 to 1 any, anymore like it used to yeah i mean if i was going to do it it would have to be for sort of like the satisfaction that i created some plan and came mm-hmm. up with it and like you did like you had the spreadsheet where you sort of figured within some standard deviations what you could expect to lose or win right and i it, you know and if i think if i went into it with a plan i might find it more fun although i think in the moment i'd still find it stressful but the other thing I was thinking about was, do I want to try to just go to resorts and increase my play there significantly? Because I don't have very much of a play history there, and they're incredibly generous with comps. So, like, do I want to go there and just play some slightly higher than what I normally play or, or do some group gambling or something like that? Uh, for a trip where I rack up some tier credits and just see what I get because, you know, like I said, I'm already getting six night a week comps off season. Um, and, and I like it, you know, I like resorts a lot. So, you know, if I was going to get like more food and beverage, seven night a week rooms, like I could see myself basically making resorts my home base, but Again, the thing that I keep coming back to at the end of the day is like, do I really want to go on a trip where I don't hop over to Caesars and gamble at Caesars, which I really like, or I don't make it over to the marina, which sometimes we don't make it to the marina, but I, I like to have the option. Um, and I just can't see that happening. Like, I just can't see myself making that much of a change to my Atlantic City trips because I enjoy my Atlantic City trips so much the way they are now. Uh, so I have a hard time sort of convincing myself to do something like that. I think if I went more, like if I went eight times a year instead of four or five, like last year I went five times a year, which is a decent amount. But if I was going like every month and a half, you know, six weeks, five, six, seven weeks, I think I would have an easier time saying like, Hey, I'm just going to stay at resorts this time and, and see what happens. Figuring, you know, I can sort of have a trip where I do an experiment because I'm going to be back in a few weeks. Whereas as it is, it's like, I don't get there enough. And when I get there, I really want to like have my time in Atlantic city, the way I know I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, which I think comes around to why I get so stressed about the end of trips, <laughs> especially in Vegas. Cause it's like, I don't know when I'll ever be back. So I'm like stressed. I don't want to pack stuff in. That's probably a conversation for another time, but, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts before we wrap this up and move on to the news. No, I, I do sort of agree with you and, and that, like you said, I just I just don't go often enough that it's it's not worth it for me right now. And like, you know, planning around promos, it's just not realistic. I just plan around like whenever there's an open weekend coming up that I can get out of the house. So, um, something something you did say that reminded me of a rather contentious conversation we had kind of a month ago, and said we'd bring up on the podcast because it'd be more interesting there. When you were talking about there being hundreds or thousands of diamond members walking around Atlantic City at any given time. Uh, we were discussing online around a month ago about the Founders card and whether or not that's a good or bad idea in Caesars. And then it kind of came up. I think you were pushing for the idea that just maybe Caesars should just sell diamond cards straight up, right? Well, I, I, that was sort of a, more of a joke. Um, not necessarily that they should sell diamond cards straight up, but it was it was sort of a reaction to people saying like, all these people didn't earn the perks 
and then like listing those perks and saying like they didn't earn diamond lounge access or 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 line mm. cutting or the hundred dollar dinner yeah the dinner or the resort or getting waived resort fees and early check-in and like and and late checkout fees waived and so my thought around that was like i i'm very sympathetic to every aspect that actually affects you so like diamond lounge access yes i can see where you'd say like i don't want someone being able to just say like i'm gonna pay and get diamond lounge access and even free well, rooms you, you, you just saying that it that actually doesn't work in atlantic city you right, have you to it. pay a thousand reward credits to get into diamond lounges per person yeah specifically but that's, because of that that's not hard to do though but like Saying that, but I can see where also where that affects you, right? Like the diamond lounges, they can get a pretty big line. Like I can totally understand that. I can understand, you know, if people are sort of filling the the free rooms and it's harder to get a room when you want to get it or the type of room you want to get it. I can understand that. Um, what where I sort of lose the not necessarily lose the sympathy, but sort of get disconnected from the argument is when you say something like well, they should have to pay resort fees. Like like anyone below me in the tier status should have to pay a resort fee because like it doesn't affect you at all if somebody gets a resort fee waived. And and not only that, like you should want everyone like you should feel good about anyone who gets the resort fee waived because it's not like that money's like going to get you more perks. And the resort fee is only created recently it's not like this is something that's always been there and it's always been a diamond perk like it, it used to be that even a few years ago if you got a comped room your resort fee was waived i mean it used to be there were no resort fees then they added resort fees then they said oh even if you're comped room you have to pay the resort fee so like when we started going if our rooms were comped we didn't have to pay the fee and so like this is something that's just always getting tacked on and tacked on so it's not a perk really for diamond status it's like a punishment for anybody who doesn't have diamond status. So I, I don't really agree with that and the fact that it just doesn't affect you at all. Um, so that's a very long way to get back to what you were asking, which is like charging for diamond status. And it's, it's not really about charging for diamond status. I, what I was suggesting was sort of this like subscription service, right? Like it, you could pay. So uh, the founder's card is two ninety five a year if you do two years up front. So it's five ninety if you do two years. I think it's three ninety five if you do one year. So if Caesars did something where they said it's three hundred bucks, you're not a diamond member, but you get all your resorts fee all your resort fees waived and don't have to pay early check in or late checkout fees. Would you like is that something that Caesars should do? And I sort of said like, well Sure, they should, because a lot of people are going to pay for that and never use it. Uh, and I think you were saying that that's a terrible idea. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a couple things that I disagree with you there. So, for one thing, kind of like the most important thing, you say that people getting these perks doesn't uh, don't affect other people. But, I mean, Diamond, it's like a premium reward. It's like a It's like a status thing, right? And so does it directly affect someone else if I don't pay my resort fees or if I get access to the Diamond Lounge or if I get a $100 dinner credit? Like, no, usually not, not directly. But it's watering down what it means to be Diamond. And sort of my response to what you say about making there being like a subscription service where you get some of the perks of Diamond without actually having to do Diamond, I think that's an awful idea because there will be a certain number of people who that who will decide not to become diamond uh, simply because they can get some of the perks of diamond without actually having to do the play. And the thing Caesars wants most of all is they want people to get diamond because usually that's going to require quite a bit of play. And I'd say the average person just to get to diamond is going to lose at least, I don't know, $3,000 or something like that, probably even more. And so any watering down at all that it does of that, any people that would be diamond except they decide not to because they can pay for some subscription service instead is, is going to be a really bad because they're, they're going to lose money from it. But B it's going to be bad because it's going to annoy all the other diamond members who feel like they're not getting this premium benefit that they think they should only get. 
So, so my pushback on that, and I, so I agree that Founders Card probably it it waters down diamond status. I agree with that. I think basically saying a fee where you get your resort fees waived and early check in and check out waived, and that's it. Like if yep. you're getting diamond for that, you're you're not getting diamond. Like you're no, that is not anybody's incentive to say like I only want to gamble enough to get diamond to get the resort fees waived for one thing, because you just get founders card if that was the case. And, and that's a real problem. Like I agree that that's something that the fact that they've already set that price, uh, makes the calculus a little weirder. Um, and certainly with founders card, you set the price where you get all the perks really. Like you don't, maybe you don't get, you know, the best rooms or you don't get free rooms all the time, but you get, you know, diamond lounge access and everything. So for me, my suggestion was stripping away everything but the fee waiving to say like nobody who's shooting for diamond is just thinking about the fees because for one thing, if that was true, then there would have been way less diamond members before the fees were introduced, which is like saying that adding the fees created a higher demand for diamond. And I just can't, maybe that's true, but I just really don't want it to be true. (laughs) Like in my mind, you know, um, because that fee didn't exist five or six years ago. Uh, so that's part of it. And also, I just think that most people who want diamond want the other perks. And if you, and you've probably done the math enough to know that you're going to lose more than what you're paying in resort fees in a year. So the resort fees alone don't make it worth it. So for Caesars, the calculus is about Taking all that into account, right? I mean, I don't think they're ever going to do this, but for a total hypothetical, they would be taking into account how what percentage of people are not going to get diamond, which I think is very low, but I, I think you probably disagree. And what percentage of people are going to pay for this and use less than $300 worth, which is probably more of like what the calculus is for Founders Card, although I expect they get way, way less than that per Founders Card member. Um, right. Most, I'd assume most Founders Card members get it for other reasons other than Caesars. Right. Um, and, and figuring out sort of what the, the benefit is for them. I mean, clearly Caesars has done the math on founders card and and decided it's worth it to keep re-upping it every year. You can disagree with how it affects you as a diamond card member or whatever, but I, I think our friend Andy was saying like part of the problem with founders card or not necessarily problem, but part of the issue for people who have diamond already with the founders card is that it puts a very clear price on what Caesars thinks your value is to as a diamond member. And so Caesars has basically said, even though, you know, allegedly, you know, founders comes with all these other benefits. Um, I expect there are quite a few people who buy founders just because of diamond. I mean, we know people who have bought founders just because of diamond. It has basically put a price that says diamond is worth $295 a year. And that is a shitty feeling. If you are a diamond member having earned your play. And I agree with that completely. If I had even done diamond in a day or done a ton of promos and, and knowing that you could just pay two ninety five, like I would feel a little bit chipped about that. So this is going to kind of sound strange. And I think that, you know, with me being kind of the math finance guy and you being the marketing person, I, I think that kind of the thing you're overlooking here is you might be right. It might not directly lead to people being like, Hey, instead of diamond, I'm going to just pay this subscription fee or whatever. But I think all that Caesars would be doing if they did something like this is that they're watering down Diamond somehow, right? They're they're removing some of the exclusivity of what it means to be Diamond. And it's not that it necessarily affects anyone else that, you know, someone else gets a $100 food credit, right? Because like you said, that, that doesn't affect any existing Diamond members at all, even a little bit. But you're taking something that is exclusive to diamond members and makes diamond members maybe feel happy and and giving it out to other people who you can you know if you have a certain viewpoint can say like hey that person didn't deserve it like you know every time yeah i I don't know if this is a good analogy or not but every time toyota takes some quote-unquote kind of luxury whatever you know thing and and puts it in one of their Toyota cars, you know, you could say it, it waters down what it means to, to buy a Lexus or whatever. That's yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and, and I'll say this also, like having said all of this, and I still don't think it's a terrible idea. Although I do agree that 
it would the the thing that that's very difficult to quantify and the thing that Caesars probably can't quantify even with Founders Card is anger of Diamond members. And the, the sense that I've gotten is Seven Stars members do not give a crap. Like they feel like they're getting theirs. You know, they're gambling way way more than even a Diamond member is. They don't care if anybody else has Diamond. Diamond members, I think, are annoyed. I think they're probably right to be annoyed. I mean, I would be annoyed in their situation, even though I'm nowhere close, so I, I can't really relate. But one of the things that, that this sort of reminds me of is season ticket holders to sports. And, like, you know, I followed the Orioles for a long Like, I'm a huge Orioles fan. I'm a huge Capitals fan. I followed both of those three teams through horrible stretches, and we were, you know, partial plan season ticket holders. I was actually partial plan season ticket holder to both. Um, when I still lived down in Maryland, but I remember thinking all the time and people suggest all the time, like, Oh, these teams really need to be selling discounted packages for tickets. Like they need to be selling huge discounts, you know, buy this, you get opening day by this, you get really cheap seats. If you buy a six pack of tickets and stuff like that. And anytime something like that gets introduced, the backlash from season ticket holders is significant. Um, because they feel like it, it waters down the value of season tickets. Like when, a big part of the reason for being a season ticket holder is you get perks, you get discounted tickets, obviously, like you get lower than face value tickets, you get access to certain things that other people don't get access to. Um, and so I think it was the wizards when the wizards were really terrible used to just say like, we're not running any promos. Like we are not doing any of this. And the reason for that is because the season ticket holders always tell us they don't want to deal with it. And so how that relates to diamond is even if you look at the arena and say like, this is terrible. This is, you know, you could fill the arena. It's worth more to get the people in the arena and get concession sales and all that. Just like you could look at Atlantic city and say, Atlantic city is in bad shape. You need to get more people into the casino the long-term view is the the money is with the season ticket holders. So you don't want to piss off your current season ticket holders because you don't want to lose them. And hopefully you get to a point where you can get more season ticket holders in the long run. So the argument against my sort of suggestion is maybe, you know, you don't want to lose your current diamond members and you don't want to have anybody who was maybe thinking about diamond having one less reason to do it. So that is blowing up I, my entire argument yeah, <laughs> with, with one statement. Um, so it is, it, I mean, and it, and it's tough, it's tough to do that kind of calculation about like short-term versus long-term what's worth it. What's not. Um, I mean, for, for me, I, I think it would be a terrible decision for Caesars to do anything like directly selling some diamond perks. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine them actually doing it. I can't imagine. I mean, for one thing, the optics of saying like, we're bun you're paying, like for a 10 pack of fees or whatever, which is basically what it's doing, right? Like that, the optics of that is really crappy. And like Sands in, in Vegas tried to do some sort of weird, like extra package of fees. Like you can buy the premium resort fee for even more money. And people just like completely laughed at them. So I mean, like an even better example of what they could do is they could be like, Hey, if you're just a gold member or whatever, you can spend instead of the 10, the, the, the thousand reward credits to get in the diamond lounge, you can spend, 2,500 reward credits to get in or something or 5,000 reward credits to get in. And like, it doesn't matter if people even take them up on it or not, but like all you're doing is watering down what it means to be diamond. Oh yeah. I mean that I agree is a terrible idea, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think we've, we've talked about this enough. I'm sure I, I'm very interested to see what the reaction is about this. Cause I'm sure people will have a lot to say because people have already had a lot to say. And that's why it even came up in the podcast. Cause it was a pretty lively discussion um, right between Craig and I. And I, I just want to say, you know, I have been diamond and I really don't care what they, what they end up doing. But I, I think it would be a terrible decision for, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the spreadsheets. I don't know everything they know. I, I think it's even dangerous to, to do the founder's card thing, but I, I think that it's somewhat safe for them because a lot of people don't really know about it. Yeah, so so the reason I mean I think the reason that that it came up for us is that it was because you mentioned in other other groups or discuss there's other discussions elsewhere. I think in the Everything AC group you said there was a big discussion about it. Yeah, so I mean it was it was an interesting discussion, um, and definitely people were very sort of annoyed that of this sense of of watering down, like you were mentioning, and, and you were incredibly annoyed at the people who 
we're annoyed that people can pay to get perks like no resort fees and right. So I, I agree. Hundred dollar dinner. Well, I mean, even the hundred dollar dinner, I can sort of see the annoyance, although that much less than like the diamond lounge access. Should we move on to some news? <laughs> yeah, we can try to blow through some news that we've spent a half hour on. Uh, kind of our pre-show stuff or the pre-news stuff. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to talk a ton about the news, although I always say that and then we take 45 minutes on it. But <laughs> Right, so uh, something that's come out in the last few weeks is there have been some rumors, though I don't think anything's been confirmed, uh, that uh, something the state's looking at doing is, is cutting back on police and fire in the city now that they have that control. And I guess to sort of get ahead of this, uh, Vincent Prieto has proposed a $2 a night occupancy fee, occupancy fee added to AC hotels with 100% of that money going to be earmarked to go towards basically fire and police to hopefully make it so that cuts don't have to be made there. Um, is there anything more you want to say about that before we discuss it a little bit? Yeah, so this is a Christian Hetrick article in the Press of Atlantic City that I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, so this is the State Assembly Speaker, Vincent Prieto. Uh, it's it's proposed as a two-year temporary fee. So I I don't know. I mean, it's it's $2 a night, which doesn't sound that significant, although there's already $5 instituted by, by the state and the city. Obviously, the hotels already have big resort fees. So I, I think the question is sort of like, is this adding even more of a fee in a place where demand is already not that high and there's a lot of competition and, and anything, any change like this is, is going to be a negative? Uh, so it's kind of weighing like, is is $2 really that big a deal? I think from the – a lot of times this kind of stuff gets proposed. Like Las Vegas is basically funding, I think, with our football stadium on, on room taxes because it's very easy to propose this because a lot of people that come are not like your direct constituents. So as a city, Correct. right, like it's it's very easy to propose this if people are coming from out of the city or out of the state. Um, but I don't know. I mean I, I, I'm annoyed by it. Obviously I want Atlantic City to have police – and public safety, so I'm conflicted. <laughs> but adding more fees just seems so crappy to me, and I, and I don't really like it. And I also am very skeptical of the temporary thing because I feel like this is it, it's very hard to take something off the books once it's on the books. Like I think it's one of those things where it's so easy to just extend it, and then once it's in place for two years, it's like, well, you know, everybody's already used to this fee. Why would we have less money, right? When everybody's already used to the fee. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't like the precedent that it sets. I mean, obviously the precedent has already been set with occupancy fees, but, uh, I don't, as somebody who lives outside of Atlantic city and goes to Atlantic city, maybe it's very self-serving, but I don't like these sort of fees just being a cure all. I think that's pretty much where I come in on it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say that the choice is between less fire and police or this $2 fee, I mean, I think it's hard, but I'm not positive those are the only two choices, though it's being kind of proposed that way. I mean, I will say $2 a night, is that like a big thing? Like, no, it's really not, but resort fees are already reasonably high and only getting higher and like sticking two more dollars on top of that. Uh, I mean, it's not really going to help things. It's not going to make things better uh, when I think that resort fees are already, you know, I think we both consider them as being kind of ridiculous. So I, I don't think it's great, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I think, so I think the practical side of me is like, well, the resort fee is not instituted by the state. So, you know, they shouldn't be, the state and the city shouldn't be held sort of in contempt or whatever for, for the resort fees. They're not, this is just another fee that goes on your bill though. That's beyond what the, the rack rate is. Yeah. And for the average person, all they're seeing is an increase, right? Like they don't right. care like, so, who's so charging so them the even, fee. even us, you know, like when we see like, Oh, it's like $12 here or $15 here. Like, are we really being like, ah, damn casinos charging us $8. And then there's the $5 state charge and $2 in taxes or whatever. Like probably not. It's just $15 resort fee. Right. 
Right. And so even if you're not blaming the state for that, even if people are like, oh, I can't believe Caesars charges $34, which it would be if, if this goes into effect, because they already have whatever, 27 plus five mm-hmm. in occupancy fee, this would be another two. It, it If the annoyance about that is enough to drive to, to have one more thing to make people not want to go to Atlantic City, like that's a really bad thing. So I think it's more than just $2. It's more than just, you know, who gets the blame. It's It's taking it all in aggregate and what people's real reaction to it is. So I don't like it. No, I don't either. But like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, nothing really has happened yet since the state's taken over. So I don't even know if it was realistic that fire and police get cut, which seemed like a weird place to kind of make your first cuts if you're the state. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So uh, I guess the next thing is that there's a new inflatable water slide coming to the beach in Atlantic City in front of Tropicana. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so there's this thing called the Tripo, Tripo Supreme, T-R-I-P-P-O, inflatable water slide that is apparently coming to the beach in front of the Tropicana this summer. Uh, there's already a smaller version of this in Myrtle Beach, uh, which I think does reasonably well. It's $2 per ride. You can get an hour armband for $10 or get an all-day pass for $20. You can also rent it from 10 to 11 a.m. for private use or parties. Um, and it seems like the general reaction to this is, okay, this is this is cool. It's something different. And the price is right, which I agree. I mean, it's that's reasonably cheap. I don't see a lot of people paying for the all-day pass, like how many times are you really going to want to go down this slide. Um I can't really gauge like how tall or anything it is, but it's it's significant. It's it's not like going to Six Flags and going down a water slide, but it's a pretty good sized slide. And if you're at the beach anyway, I could see it being something that, you know, you give your kids two bucks or ten bucks and they get an armband. Uh, so you know, as far as family friendly attraction, I think this is right there. It's not surprising at all to me that this is going in front of Tropicana. I think it's kind of in line with a lot of what they do and their beachfront is, is very popular and gets very crowded. So, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have any interest in this? Do you, have you ever spent any time at the beach in Atlantic city? No, I haven't, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It can't be bad. I mean, it's good. Hopefully the, you know, trap makes a little money because of this and Tripo makes a little bit of money and a couple more people come to Atlantic city that might've been on the fence. Otherwise, I mean, seems like a win all around yeah i mean for me personally like i have gone in the summer with my wife just because it's a fairly cheap beach trip um that's that's reasonably close for us uh new jersey beach towns don't have a ton of hotels so the rates at the hotels that do exist are pretty high um so we end up doing atlantic city sometimes for for a beach trip and you know as as my daughter gets older anything that sort of increases the fun level for her uh, increases the chances that I go to Atlantic city more often. So I'm all in favor of that, <laughs> making it more fun for, for my daughter and my wife and, and getting me to Atlantic city more. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, I think it's cool. So um, there was some talk in the, uh, Facebook group, which then I think spilled over into Twitter a bit about the AC Boardwalk Con. I think Justin in the Facebook group mentioned that the website was gone. And then I think a couple people, including yourself, kind of did a little bit of research on Twitter and some of the press of AC guys kind of chimed in and said that even though the website's gone, they are still planning on coming back and doing it again. Um, do you want to add a little bit to that? Yeah, so so Justin pointed out that you know it's typically there there would have been a date <laughs> already presented and and sort of everything Facebook group Twitter all said see you in 2017 with no updates. Um, I mean, I do think Comic Cons are not as planned hugely in advance as like other big events for some reason. I'm not really sure why, uh, but. So, I, yeah, I went to the website to do acpc.com, and it's been totally scrubbed. Uh, it's, like, just totally generic, like, WordPress, hello world, or whatever the default WordPress stuff is now. Um, so I went to Twitter and said, like, hey, uh, any update? Oh, I actually tweeted at 
the boardwalk con and said, Hey, any update? And then Sarah Tracy from the press of AC pointed out that, uh, Dan Grote, another press of AC writer had just written up a thing about cons, like not just comic cons, but other sort of like anime and, and gaming and that kind of stuff cons going on in New Jersey. And there was a little sidebar mentioning that the boardwalk con had not announced any sort of date, but they were looking for a potential different date. Um, and, Considering either Veterans Day weekend in November or sometime in August when people are already at the beach. So, and to expect an announcement sometime in maybe the next week or two. So, it seems like it's not totally dead. Uh, I'm interested to see what the announcement is. I would not be at all surprised if it is a smaller venue because it's been at Boardwalk Hall. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to something smaller. Um, I mean, I, I don't have any insight about like what the, what all the venues are, but certainly they could do something in one of the casinos. They could do a section of the uh, of like the Harris Convention Center. They could do any number of the the hotels that have convention rooms. But I don't know. I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if just like this is the last we hear of it. <laughs> I mean, the Scrubbed website, even even with people saying no, it's it's coming back. We're looking for a date, like. I mean, it seems like by all accounts, it, it was uh, something of a flap last year. I know just because I follow it a little bit that the Comic-Con circuit is very, very saturated right now. And it's it's becoming harder and harder to uh, to make profits on these things just because to get premium guests that get people in the door, you have to pay a guarantee. Like you have to tell a celebrity you're going to pay them X amount of dollars and and so you're doing all this math to say, like, we need to get this amount of people in the door to be able to pay all these guarantees. There was a really big uh, Comic-Con in Dallas on New Year's Eve. Uh, I think it was New Year's Eve. It might have been New Year's Day. And it just totally flopped. And, like, a ton of people didn't get paid. The celebrities didn't get paid um, because they just didn't get enough people in the door. And and the, the company running it just ran out of money. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen with, with AC Boardwalk Con, but that's just sort of the ecosystem they're operating in. So I wouldn't really be surprised if it, if, if this is the end of the run for them, I would like to see them make a go of it just because I think it's the kind of thing that's, that's cool and, and brings people into the city. And I also, you know, they've only done it twice and, and it's one of those things where you need to do it consistently and get people to recognize that it happens before you can really get uh, a strong following and get people to say like, Oh, I want to put this on my calendar to go. So I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Hopefully we'll find out more in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm not sure if you have much to add because I know this isn't really your forte, but that's kind of where, yeah. where it comes You're from. certainly much much more in tune with kind of this sort of scene than I am or the general comic scene or whatever. But I, I will say like you, I mean, my impression is that it's, it's quite saturated. Uh, something that goes against them, I know they mentioned November 10th and 11th, is it just came out like yesterday or today that there's going to be a brand new PAX convention, which if you haven't heard, they're like one of the very, very biggest kind of conventions in this convention years, I guess, in this area, Penny Arcade in Philadelphia in November. So uh, clearly it's probably not a good idea for them to try to kind of be anywhere around that time in Atlantic city. Um, but We'll see. I mean, like you said, I think it is something that you have to kind of do over and over again to begin to get a crowd unless you really spend a lot of money to get kind of premium celebrities in. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully it succeeds. Uh, I, not that I've gone, but I would like to go someday if it works out with my schedule. <laughs> Have you ever been to a convention? Like a Comic-Con type thing? I know you went to the uh, baseball card convention, but... Yeah, I've been to quite a few baseball card shows. I've been to the National in Baltimore. I, I don't think I've ever been to – oh, I, well, I think I did just sort of stumble into one because I happened to be at like Wildwood or something when they had one. But mm-hmm. uh, I've never gone out of my way. Um, and I've wanted to do the the New York Comic Con a couple of times, but it sells out so fast and I don't feel like plunking down the money for like – VIP three day passes or whatever is left <laughs> at yeah. the end of that. So, um, and I've heard it's just like a cluster. Like I've heard it's totally insane and that's not really my idea of a good time. Mm. Um, 
And I've I, done PAX. I've done PAX East in Boston like six or seven years ago. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like like I've done All Star Fan Fest a few times for baseball, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a similar type of deal. I mean, obviously, yeah. All Star Fan Fest comes with a bunch of people who are already in town, but. I mean, for for me, it's it's kind of like the perfect thing for Atlantic City to try to get a bit more involved in. I mean, so hopefully it ends up working out, or if this particular one doesn't work out, hopefully someone else comes back and tries again with some slightly different iteration of this, and hopefully something ends up sticking. Yeah, I mean, and and just to sort of put a cap on this conversation, I think we talked about this before. The thing that would make these com- conventions really cool. And the thing that makes like San Diego comic con and New York city comic con mm-hmm. really draw a lot of people. Isn't just the con. It's the fact that there's a bunch of surrounding events. Like they've gotten so big or like South right. by Southwest, you know, like these are obviously way bigger than, than right. like boardwalk comic con could ever hope to be, but they're the type of thing that Atlantic city should be trying to build. And, but it takes support and sort of co-branding from a lot of other places. And, and AC just does a really bad job of that. I mean, not AC in general, but there's not very much cohesiveness from the other properties in AC. So you don't see a lot of, like, Bally's saying, oh, there's this big event. We're going to do a sort of side event here. Um, and that's really, I think, where you can really build up and get a ton of people to come into town. Although I did – I was at – uh, in AC and there was like a tattoo convention and, and wild wild west did a concert that was very much focused on bringing people from that convention to there. So it does mm-hmm. happen a little bit, but we, I, I think we just don't hear about it a whole lot. I mean, I think a big problem with AC doing that kind of like super mega convention is that they don't really have a great airport. Like it's not super easy or cheap to fly into AC. So I think that pretty much precludes it from a lot of, something really big happening there. Yeah. I mean, you almost have to fly into Philly and, and rent the car. And it's just not convenient. Yeah, that's true. So, Uh, I mean, there has actually been some talk that's come up in the last few weeks about, uh, since, you know, people are kind of starting to jockey for the upcoming gubernatorial election, people talking about the Atlantic city airport and trying to expand it and do different stuff like that, which I, I do think is needed, but, it's expensive and it might not work. So <laughs> anyway, we can, uh, we can move on. I'll let you handle the next one. Cause it's much more up your alley and I'll have no comment. <laughs> the restaurants not up yes. your alley at all. Okay. So, uh, Jose Garces, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, that's what I'm going with anyway, uh, is opening multiple restaurants at the Tropicana in March. He formerly had four restaurants at Revel, which were Amada, a tapas place village whiskey, which was kind of a pub with burgers, typical pub fare, uh, Uboca, Dim Sum and Noodle, and Distrito, Can- Distrito Cantina, which we've actually eaten at, Kyle. That was the taco truck in Revel. Um, Indeed. That I, f- I thought was very good, although when you see a taco truck parked in the middle Inside of a, of a casino. Uh, which I thought was very cool, but you see the taco truck and you think it's going to be cheap, and it was certainly not cheap. Uh, so he's opening... I mean, the food was very good, so I'll say that about Jose Garces, but uh, he's opening... They're saying it's sort of like four restaurants, but it's really two restaurants, and each of them has a separate bar area, at least as far as I can tell from the press release. Uh, The first one is called Olan, which is a seafood restaurant. Uh, That's where Finn used to be, if you've been to Finn in Tropicana. Uh, So that's opening on March 3rd, and then the entrance to that will be La Cervecería, a ceviche bar. And... Also supposed to have live music, that bar. Uh, 24 beers on tap. They're calling it an interactive bar featuring live fun, in quotes. Uh, I don't really know what live fun means other than that music is going to be there. Although you could argue any bar with people in it has live fun. Uh, the other the other restaurant is Okache. I, I'm sure I butchered that, but <laughs> a Japanese noodle, sushi, and sake place in the former Seaside Cafe. So these two restaurants are right next to each other uh, on the boardwalk side of the Tropicana just above the marketplace. So they're on the casino level, um, kind of over by where you would go to get your players club information or get show tickets. Um, It's like off – if you're facing that desk, it's off to the right uh, of those things. 
So they will also have at this uh, Japanese place, they're going to have a Japanese candy store at the entrance. Um, I don't know. I know you don't have, you've already said you don't have much to say. I take it you're not terribly excited about either of these places. I mean, I don't have anything to say now. I mean, we'll see what the reviews are and if any of them are particularly well received, I'll certainly consider giving them a try. Yeah, I mean, obviously I liked Izakaya a lot at Borgata, which seems like it's along sort of the same lines as, as Okache. Um, and and also, obviously, I've liked Suzai, um, which is a sushi place. The thing to me that I think I'm going to really like is the Japanese candy store. <laughs> like, I just, that sort of weird, uh, uh, like, type of place I find very interesting. Um, so hopefully it's really cool and it's not just, like, Oh, there's there's a couple strange Japanese candies by the uh, whatever you call it, the hostess desk <laughs> at, at the entrance, and it's actually like well done and looks cool and is very like Japanese centric. Um, so that I'm I'm kind of excited about. I, I don't know if I'll ever really make it to either of these or, or go out of my way. Certainly, the Japanese place is more interesting to me than the seafood place because I'm not a big seafood person, but. Uh, we'll see. I mean, to me, it's it's more interesting just because I think Trop has done so much, and we see more of Trop almost really trying to compete with with Borgata in a way. But uh, we'll see how these these come out and and what the reviews are when they open. Indeed. So I guess kind of the a piece of bigger news that we both care about is Glenn Straub has come out and said he's going to open Revel on February twentieth, right? Yeah, so that's President's Day weekend, um, and he so he does not have a casino license. He's still arguing with the Casino Control Commission that he does not need to get one. <laughs> so that's still up in the air. Uh, so he's saying, though, February 20th, casino or no casino, he will open. Obviously, he said that about June 15th, 2016 as well, and we know what happened with that. Uh, he does have the temporary occupancy permit, though, so I guess it's possible that he could open. I don't know what other permits he would need to open uh, without a casino, but I don't know. I mean, it certainly seems – I mean, it's less than a month away now. This is We're talking like a little over three weeks. Uh, so assuming that this is plausible – or I guess first question, do you think this is plausible? Uh, I don't even know what to think anymore. I mean – Give me a percentage, February twentieth. Will it? Will we see ten or no? Forty-five percent. Yeah, I was going to say forty. I think I'm around there. I, I, I have think a hard it's time. Just it. under fifty percent. That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I like if you get, if you gave me the kind of will it be open by then or not, I would say no, but it's close. Yeah, I mean, I understand the the reasoning for President's Day weekend. I think it would make more sense to push it more towards typical spring break, which I, I think is sometime in April. Uh, but do you, I mean, do you think it's a good idea to open this thing without a casino and and get it open and get people in the door and sort of work the kinks out, or is this just showboat all over again? I don't think it's a good idea unless he actually knows when the casino is opening. I mean, I think if they open the hotel like a month before the casino, that's fine. But if it's going to be like showboat and it's going to be like in six months, the casino is not open. Like, I don't think that's good. I think that's like a, you're going to be losing tons of money. B like people are going to get a bad impression of your property. I don't think it's worth it, but if the casino is actually going to open in like March or early April or something, then it's probably okay. Yeah. I mean, my bigger question is, is what's the marketing budget and what's the marketing push? Because I think it's one thing to say we're going to open and sort of be in a soft launch phase. And then the casino is going to open and that's when we're really going to start to do some advertising. But if it's like, the first round of Revel, where there was very, very little advertising money, and they were just like, mm, this is the biggest thing, people will know about it, and, and people didn't. Uh, or like Showboat, where they were kind of like, well, let's open it because we can, and, and we'll very, very slowly add to it, which is kind of seems to be have been the plan there. I think you lose a lot, because it's very hard to get the amount of buzz that you get for a new opening 
later on. And I, I still think that was one of the biggest, if not the biggest mistake that Revel made. I mean, certainly there were plenty to choose from. Um, the no smoking thing is kind of the one that everybody harps on. But I think the fact that there was so little marketing done when it first opened, that is something that you just don't get. Like Vegas casinos, big Vegas mega resorts, when they open, you hear about it. MGM National Harbor, when it opened, you heard about it. Revel, there was so little about it, and it had already been delayed, and they needed to to make that message clear. Like, we are opening this day. Come see it. It's the biggest, nicest thing in Atlantic City. Uh, and they didn't. I, it may not even be possible for 10 to do that because it's already been open as Revel, and it's a tough sell, but they need to figure out a way. Like, that's what you pay marketers for. Like, figure out something to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, better news, gambling revenue. Yeah, it was up last year. I know. First time in, in 10 years that we have seen a year-over-year gain in, in gambling revenue. But. <laughs> but. What's the but? Tell me the but. Only if you include the online revenues, which is clearly something new. <laughs> right. So uh, it was up 1.5% uh, to, I think, $2.6 billion in 2016. Um, so slightly, slightly better than 2015. Tom Pullman, who is the general manager of Golden Nugget, said uh, that Atlantic City has right-sized itself to the point that we're not oversaturated anymore. Uh, and I'll link to the uh, Wayne Perry, I think, article. Uh, certainly an AP article, maybe. A, yeah, it's Wayne Perry. So uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. My question is, I mean, this is something that we've paid a lot of attention to the, the the revenues the gambling revenues so i have a couple questions the first is do you do you think that this is really flattening out or is this just sort of a one-year trend uh or is it something that this is the start of a rebound like how optimistic are you about the future of gambling revenue in the next coming years i don't think it's a rebound i, I don't expect it to go back up to five billion or anything like that but um, I think it could be a flattening out. I think it's possible, especially with, with Revel coming back or with 10 coming back online. I think that should help a little bit, but I mean, clearly there's going to be some headwinds too, whether it be North Jersey casinos, which, you know, aren't happening immediately, but could be happening or casinos in New York or, um, kind of new casinos opening up Pennsylvania. I, I mean, there are headwinds, but I, I think it's not unreasonable to expect AC to be at at or around this number for for at least kind of the the medium term yeah i mean the the one thing that i've sort of said throughout the decline is that you know having 2.5 plus billion dollars in gaming revenue is that's still a viable market like yes the decline is big but you know arguably 5 billion was never sustainable right and that was the peak mm -hmm. uh but I guess the question is, if it's a $2.5 billion gaming market, and if, as as Tom Pullman from Golden Nugget says, that this is right-sized, what does AC look like as a $2.5 billion gaming market? Like, obviously, 10 is going to come in, and if you're saying it's 2.5 and that's, like, what it's going to be, does does 10 increase that? I mean, I think what I'm saying is that it probably won't. So, like, are they taking money away from other people? Can... Can we have eight casinos in a $2.5 billion market, or is or would 10 success mean doom for someone else? I don't think it's entirely like, you know, 10 is going to take a slice of the already existing pie and other people have to lose out. I, I think it's possible it could grow it a little bit, um, but it's not going to grow everything that it ends up taking. So it, it might take a little bit from everyone. Um, my expectation is that 10 is well my, my hope anyways it's going to come back kind of as a nicer casino as it was when it was open as rebel and it might take some out of like the middle end ish to high end um you know from places like maybe not borgata but well maybe borgata if mgm messes it up enough but places like caesar's Hera's, tropicana maybe um I don't expect that it would necessarily hurt 
places like Gold Nugget or resorts all that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It's interesting. I think that's a good point because I think Borgata is the obvious competition. Like that's who they're going for with that property. I think Borgata's players are so entrenched that unless MGM comes in and really starts messing stuff up, they're not going to make that big a dent. Um, and Revel could take even a decent percentage, like obviously not a huge percentage, but even, you know, 5% of Borgata's money and Borgata would still be just fine. Uh, I think, and, and uh, the other end, you know, resorts, especially, I don't think those people are going to Revel. Like, I just don't think that that's the market. Um, you know, resorts is much more sort of locals focused, uh, low roller focused. And I don't think that's what 10 is going to be. So, I think that's a good point. I think it's the middle tier. I think it's Caesars. I don't think it's even Bally's. Um, I think it's Caesars, Trop, Harris that that are looking at um, competition. I would say even Golden Nugget is kind of competition because I think Golden Nugget, the way it's been redone, is kind of branding itself as, as sort of like nicer, classier, um, not necessarily a low-roller casino, although they do typically have cheaper tables. But I guess we'll see. Uh Obviously, the optimal scenario is that 10 opens and increases the pie and, and we see it go back up to, you know, 275 or $3 billion or something like that. But uh, do you think that we are likely to see gains in 2017? I mean, I sort of asked that, asked that but, you know, do you think that this is we're going to see a slow uptick or are we just at 2.5 for, for a while? Well, I think kind of an interesting data point is going to be once like January, February comes out, see what happened year over year just because of the brand new uh, National Harbor MGM. I think that it's, it's possible that that's going to have a reasonably sized impact uh, on Atlantic city. Cause I think it, it's sort of close enough and, and draws from uh, some of the people that come from the part of the country that I live in right now, kind of the mid Atlantic region. So uh, I'd like to see kind of what happens first. I, I think that it's possible we could be right around 2.5 billion next year as well. Yeah, I mean we can talk more about MGM National Harbor. I mean I know Neil in the Facebook group has been pretty vocal about the fact that he thinks uh, MGM National Harbor is going to be pretty bad for Atlantic City. I was always very skeptical because I felt like, well, they've already got Horseshoe down there. You. If you're driving up from Maryland, you're passing Horseshoe, potentially Maryland Live. So you're passing other big casinos. You might even be going by like Harris Chester to go to Atlantic City. So like is another casino there really going to make that much of a difference to people yeah, who live I, in Maryland or Virginia? But I, the, I the, do. Yeah, and I think re- it's it's different than all of those casinos. Right. It's so much of a bigger spectacle and bigger draw than, than certainly Maryland Live or even Horseshoe. Um so before we, we get into a little bit more about National Harbor, uh, so I've, I've, for one thing, I've changed my tune a little bit, and I'm, I'm a little more concerned about the, the dent National Harbor is going to make. But really quickly, online revenue, like we talked about how that's sort of the reason it was not a down year. Um, is that a reason for optimism, do you think, the online? Like could you see – certainly the online hasn't been as booming a thing as everybody uh, expected it to be, and certainly Chris Christie was projecting, but – are you optimistic about the growth of online helping Atlantic city casinos? Or do you think that's just a temporary thing? I think maybe long-term it, it, it might not end up helping as it gets becomes legal in more and more States. But I think in the short to medium term, I think it's a good thing. I mean, obviously being able to play just, you know, or the thing I hear about the most given my interests is being able to play poker stars in New Jersey is kind of a big deal on, in the online poker community. So I, I think it definitely does help. Um, how long it's going to help for, I'm not sure. depends on how long it takes other states to kind of get into uh, this this piece of revenue that they all want. But uh, it's not going to be like this long-term solution for them. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly where I land. And I've always discounted the... The, the online revenue, when I've looked at the gaming revenue, I've only ever looked at brick and mortar because my feeling is it's it's a, it's a flick of a switch away from, from being pen, on in Pennsylvania and, and Delaware and other states 
you know, as soon as they say it's okay. Uh, part of the thing about having poker stars and, and big national companies running online casinos in New Jersey is that for them to make them available in Pennsylvania, it is very, very fast. I mean, it, within like a day of it becoming legal, I think you would have many sites up and running. So I think it's a short-term solution. I think AC casinos would be very wise to to look at it as, as temporary money, as like a temporary reprieve. <laughs> but certainly we've seen how much foresight they've had in their long monopoly of gambling. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I, I, so I, I tend to qu- kind of not really look at even the gambling, the online gambling revenue as, as a sort of sign of the health of the city. I agree. Uh, so, so we mentioned national Harbor. I don't, I don't Do think, we, I don't think we want to go into the trip report we have. I think we can kind of push that back, but I, I think it's interesting to talk about national Harbor generally. Sure. Um, I mean, is there anything you haven't been, right? I I have not been yet, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a, a whole lot more to say. Uh, my brother sent a trip report that that we can maybe get into next episode, but I think the major takeaway is that it's a big mega resort. I mean, it is not even Horseshoe, which I thought here comes here comes Caesars with a with a property that's gonna get all the people who go to Bally's and Caesars and Harrah's from anywhere south of say the maryland pennsylvania border right they're all gonna go now down to uh to horseshoe and that didn't really happen uh because horseshoe is just kind of not that big and doesn't have a hotel attached mgm grand is a spectacle and it is a spectacle that is in mgm national harbor yeah why do i keep calling it mgm grand mgm national harbor (laughs) it's a spectacle it's at national harbor it is just across the river from dc so it's a bunch of people who are tourists who are in town it is going to draw uh, I think like crazy. So I don't know. What Do you have anything to add beyond just that it's big and, and it's, it's there. <laughs> I, I think the, that you were talking about what we think rebel could take from MGM is just going to be taken from Borgata. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the same company now. Which well, is interesting. <laughs> so yeah, right. I was going to say for two reasons. One, it's going to be like the same clientele almost exclusively. It's different networks right now, but very soon it's even going to be the same company. So you're going to be getting, if you're a big MGM player, you're going to be getting free rooms in one or the other. So I think now it's kind of like indirectly taken from Borgata just because it's going after the same kind of high class clientele. But as soon as Borgata switches to MGM offers, it's going to be actually directly competing where you have a free room at both. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that affects Borgata's bottom line. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, MGM probably as in, as a whole doesn't really care as long as you go to one or the other, right? Like they don't necessarily care if you're going to Borgata or or uh, or MGM National Harbor. I almost called it MGM Grand again. Um, but for us as Atlantic City folks, like we would much rather people go to Borgata and, and keep that going well. Um, and I think it's it's an interesting sort of MBA <laughs> type of exercise because a lot of people hand hand ring a lot. They say, "Oh, you're cannibalizing your own product," but I, I think that the the conventional wisdom now in business is like you need to not be afraid to cannibalize your product, right? Like you need to be able you need to be willing to to risk that because if you have the chance to make more money somewhere else, you take the more money when you can. Um, yeah, and, it's, and it's people like Kodak who didn't want to risk cannibalizing their film business because by going into digital, uh, that get left out in the cold. I mean, obviously this is different because it's just location based, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. I'm sure MGM will paint a rosy picture no matter what happens, but, uh, we'll certainly have the data to see how it affects Borgata. And I think it could, you know, I don't, I don't know if Borgata is going to post too many more $70 million months or whatever they posted a few months back. Well, we'll see. I mean, it. I mean, you could make an argument that it could not hurt them that much because maybe there's kind of just people who have a lot of money who live in the D.C. area, which lots of people around here have a lot of money, who kind of enter the MGM roles and then they're given this opportunity to go to the beach for free and 
go up to Atlantic City every once in a while. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think that this will probably somewhat negatively affect Borgata, but it's a good idea for MGM, certainly. I mean, they'll make more money with yeah, both open I, than with just one. Yeah, and I think that's the big – like, certainly when I'm talking about cannibalizing, it's it's a, it's a portion. It is not the whole thing. I mean, this is – there are clearly there are a ton of people who are in DC for other things. There are a ton of people who live in DC and never make the trip. There are a ton of people in like you know Southern Virginia where AC is an incredibly long trip and DC is like half as long. Um, so it's a uh, I do not think they are too close to each other to coexist. That's certainly not the case. Right. All right. I mean, do we have anything else we want to talk about MGM National Harbor right now? No, I think we can save the trip report. Um, and go ahead and close this thing out because I know we're already longer than we thought we'd be. Of course we are. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so if you want to reach out to us and talk with either us or all of the other knowledgeable people who know more about a lot of subjects than we do, like like Eric and like, I don't know, plenty of our other listeners, uh, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Uh, you can find more of our content like our best of 2016 awards at do for props to craig for getting that up uh if you just are somehow hearing this passing by and want to find our podcast you search for it on itunes google play just search for atlantic city or do for a win and you can reach out to us uh, on twitter at do for a win or send questions to do for a win at gmail.com all right well thanks a lot guys and we'll talk to you guys in a week or two yeah good luck in uh, the casinos if you're heading to ac Just don't tell Andrew you got a raise. Mm, that cat's already out of the bag. <laughs> no, I haven't gotten a raise the last three years. I don't know why. <laughs> it's so weird. But I'm diamond, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm diamond. Um, <laughs> Want to go to the lounge? Let's go play some Galaga.